All right, boys. Justin, appreciate you coming hey, on today. Thanks Recurring for having me guest, on. Nick White. For sure. All right, so uh, we already know a little bit about Nick White here, lender with Megastar, and mainly residential loans, and you broker out your commercial stuff. And Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a realtor. Yeah. So I uh, originally went to the University of New Hampshire, played football there for a few years, and I was thinking about transferring out because um, I wanted to play football somewhere else and get a new opportunity and uh, took a semester off or was planning on taking a semester off. And towards the end of my current semester, I met a guy named Scott Rome. He came into one of my classes and uh, we kind of just had a casual conversation and grabbed lunch. And uh, from lunch, it turned into an internship opportunity. And from the internship opportunity, you know, it turned into a full-time job being a realtor for Brick and Barn. So it was really just a great opportunity, and you know, I tried to uh, capitalize on that opportunity. It was an awesome, awesome experience, and it was great to be now that I'm part of the brick and bar team. So yeah, absolutely, man. So you started as an intern. So what were you doing when you were an intern? Yeah, so I uh, I started as an intern there in January, and Scott, who is a team lead, said, you know, this intern really is what you make out of it. Uh, we're doing a lot of marketing for new development projects. You know, we're marketing. You know, now in August, we're marketing nearly 400 units in the next uh, two years. So in January, he told me, he said, just call and cold call builders and developers. Try to get some people in here. He's like, it's really what you make out of it. And he wasn't expecting a whole lot. It was just an internship. Like, you know, come in when you want, do what you want. But when he told me that, I was like, I took that and ran with it. Like I saw an opportunity to work for an amazing team. Um, so I started hopping on the phone and started calling these builders and developers. And before you know it, I'm getting one after another in here. I ended up getting five in the first three months. And one of those builders that I got in, we're going to be doing like a 60 million plus project, uh, in New Hampshire of new development. It's going to be about 150 units. So when I got that in, I kind of saw my opportunity with brick and barn and, you know, I've always loved football, but you know, there's some opportunities that only come once and, uh, had to go for it. So it was it was pretty exciting and you know I haven't looked back since I've been with the team for two three months and uh, some of these projects and builders that I got in are going to be breaking ground in the next you know three to four months so it's going to be a big year 2024 for the brick and barn team and you know I'm very excited to be a part of it now. Oh yeah. that's, that's awesome man and that's kind of a unique way of going about it because you know a lot of people a lot of people have their own stories about how they got into real estate but yours you know like you told me just dropping out of college for this opportunity and i think you set yourself up pretty well too sort of taking that internship bringing in those leads getting that social proof if you will or just proof in general that okay this is doable because i'm sure dropping out of college wasn't an easy decision no it it really wasn't um you know i've been playing football for 16 years and it was like an aspiration of mine always to play at the d1 level and you know i've worked very hard to get there and, you know, I only had one year left of college. Um, so it was kind of that thing where it's like, I really have to, you know, know what I'm going to do and I need to have a plan. And, you know, Scott and Joey were the two team leads really helped lay out that plan. And they just said, once I got those builders in, they see a lot of opportunity with me. Um, and, you know, they skipped, they laid out that plan and I kind of just had to go for it. So Right. And so are you working mostly with sellers right now? So right now I'm working with sellers and, and buyers. Um, but I have been still working with the builders and developers, you know, I'm still staying on the phone, you know, since 
since I've gotten the job, I've still gotten two or three more builders into our office. So I'm just trying to create this momentum because once all these projects start hitting in 2024, 2025, I'm going to have, you know, a ton of inventory to sell. And that's kind of the plan. And that's kind of the reason, you know, my thought process was to just keep bringing these builders in because there's so many on the seacoast. And really our team at Brick and Barn really separates from other real estate teams in the aspect of marketing for new development and um, builders projects. So. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I come from the new construction world, so I know, you know, how great new construction is, not just because of the, the new factor to it, but also I mean, we take land and we create inventory and in a state where not even state, just state of the market in general, where we have such low inventory right now, we're seeing that reflection in home prices so high, so inflated because the demand is so high yet the inventory is so low. Yeah. So, you know, going for those builders and that new construction is is huge right now. And the, the asset is really in, in the dirt and in the builder's capabilities. Definitely. Yeah. So it's crazy you said that is because we're the the inventory and just the seacoast alone by 2027, we're going to be like 60,000 homes short. So really new development and like marketing for those projects where it's at, because we're just like you said, we're a lack of inventory. And it's like our whole thought process is we're going to create our create our own inventory. You know, we're going to create homes to sell because there's it's hard to find, you know, um, the lack of inventory we have. It's hard to find as realtors. That's why by just the 2024 alone, we're halfway through the year and only already 60,000 realtors have, you know, stopped. But, you know, dropped out of right. being... There hasn't been enough to go around for them. Exactly. And, so, yeah, I mean... And that's only halfway through the year. I mean, right. imagine, imagine <laughs> right. leading into 2020. Uh, what I say? I said 2024. 2023 is 2020, what I meant. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's just... It's a it's a hard game to be in. And it's like being in new development and stuff, you're creating your own inventory and it's just going to create wealth. So Right. Is uh, is that sixty thousand realtors nationwide, or is it just in one region? That was, I believe, nationwide. Okay. Um, it could have been even just in you know the New England region, um, but I believe it was nationwide. Okay. I, I think I saw that stat too. Yeah, yeah I think it was sixty thousand nationwide, but there's there was a ridiculous amount specifically in Mass that yeah. actually um, just essentially either deactivated their license walked away from a brokerage or um, just never renewed it. There were a lot of renewals coming up too this year. A lot of people didn't. And, you know, it kind of goes with that that idea. Like I said, there's no inventory. Us as the builder, we create the inventory. And, you know, we're not really seeing, a, and I'll get off on a tangent here a little bit because just as a builder, we're not really seeing much reflection in terms of like the states and the to- the local towns. Mm-hmm. Um relinquishing some of their control that they have over, you know, building code and not necessarily code, but our ability to build property in some of these towns is not as incentivized as I would have hoped, especially in this inventory shortage. So are you seeing, you know, and maybe you're on the agency side, so you don't see it as much from the builders, but clearly there's a lot of building going up in the seacoast right now. Are you seeing like some incentives from the local governments for those builders? Or do you even know anything about those? I, I'm not an expert, so I won't be able to touch upon it that much. But I am seeing um, not as much as you would think. I mean, there's a lot of towns that have so many building 
um, approvals that you have to get done and all you have to get all these permits pulled and I mean it's just a process I mean we're trying to get projects going in certain areas of the seacoast and stuff but the big problem we're facing is just getting these approvals by the planning board and stuff yep. and it's been a huge problem and it makes me wonder it's like if we're going to be 60,000 homes short by 2027 just in the seacoast alone why aren't they lifting some of these these approvals and permits that need to be gone by the planning board it's like how are we going to have this inventory? Like if we're going to be so short, how are we going to make up for it if they don't right. start lifting some of these things? So, you know, I'm hoping to see some of that get lifted because then obviously that creates uh, more inventory for us as real estate agents to sell, but it yeah. also just creates more homes because we're, you know, we're going to be lacking them. So absolutely, absolutely. And, and especially Nick over here too. I mean, every single one of us is seeing a lack of, you know, I, I mean, like I work in new construction full time, but I like, flipping you know and and trying to find a deal right now to flip is next to impossible yeah i've looked at like 20 this month and every single one of them is either priced way too high for any margin but people still buy them or they're in such such horrible condition that it's practically a knockdown yeah and at that point you know you want to build but then Again, with these approvals and, and, and the, the process that it goes through, it's usually not worth it for one lot. You need these large subdivisions. You need the subdivisions, yeah. So I just, I'm trying to get this builder a, uh, a lot up in Kensington, right? It's a 28, uh, 28 acres, I believe, lot in Kensington. And you can only put one house on it. You can't subdivide it. It's like, how are you expecting these builders to spend a half a million dollars on 28 acres if they can only put one house on it? It's going to have to be like a one5 million dollar house just to even you know touch profit right and and, and kensington is there going to really be a 1.5 million dollar home <laughs> yeah. anyway so yeah you know um yeah no I, I i appreciate your take on that because it is a tough market right now yeah it's a tough market for everybody involved it's not just you know it's not like if you're even even if you are a listing agent right now it you know great if you have the listing but it's a matter of if, if that's what you specialize in is sellers Good luck finding them. Exactly. You know what I mean? And exactly. and that's reflected. Exactly. And I think one of the big things that my one of my team leaders, Sam Simpkin, always says is you gotta connect dots. You really have to. In the real estate world, you have to connect dots and you have to, you know, connect people because it's all about your sphere sphere of influence. You know, the people that you work with and stuff. It's like you have to get out there and work with different people and talk to different people because if you're not connecting dots and connecting with certain people, then you're not you're not gonna make it in um in the realtor world, you really right. need to work with the sphere of influence that you have. You need to work with your social media and just work on reaching out to new people, cold calling new people. And it's a lot of stuff people don't like to do, but it's stuff that you need to do to be a successful realtor. And that's how you create those seller and buyer leads and, and generate wealth for long term. Right. Right. And and I know Nick does this all the time. That's that's how you've grown your business is cold calling. What are you, what are you doing now? hundred a day or something? Or went a little bit more again. recently, <laughs> but um, on average, typically about 100 to 150. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Question, how many of those are like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't renew my license. Yeah. Oh, I got rid of my license. Because that's a lot. Oh, gosh, at least lot. 10, uh, yeah. at least 5 to 10 people that said, oh, I'm not in real estate anymore. Yeah. Whether they didn't renew it, they de deactivated it, or they just walked away from it. At least, I'd say at least 10 of those phone calls out of the 150 are, are like that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, no, cool, man. So switching gears a little bit. Yeah. So sort of going back 
I want to start like real young and then kind of get up to college point. So where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts called Gardner. Uh, it's a Western Mass town. You know, I lived there my entire life, born and raised. Um, you know, big thing for me was, um, you know, I always, like I said this early in the podcast, like I, I've always had a love for football. And like my life was surrounded about football, you know, my entire life. And it was just, I grew up there and, you know, went to high school, next town over and stuff. And I've always had that aspiration to play, you know, division one football and stuff. So my, my from, let's say 13 to, you know, 18 I'd even say younger, I'd say 10 to 18 years old, eight years of my life was just dedicated to football. And, you know, but that, you know, football is only a short time of your life. Now that I'm a realtor, I, I kind of look back on that and think it was a short time of my life, but it taught me so much. And it's taught me so much just in life, you know, the, the, the hard work, the teamwork, you know, working with people, talking to people, um, just dedication and all that stuff. It's kind of taught me. So yeah, I grew up, uh, and Gardner played football, you know, next town over. And then I actually went to Phillips Exeter Academy right in uh, New Hampshire, in Exeter, New Hampshire, um, from from my hometown. So played football, played <laughs> going on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. No, I yeah. But, um, you know, played football in my hometown, graduated around my hometown area, and then went up to Phillips Exeter Academy. And that's how, that's how I got familiar with the New Hampshire area. Gotcha. So... Played a one year at Phillips Exeter Academy. I did a PG year there, um, which is just next year of high school. And then uh, that's how I kind of got around this area. Kind of really loved New Hampshire. And then U- University of New Hampshire, you know, it was a 15 minute drive down the road. And uh, so I ended up picking up an offer from them and uh, started playing there. So, but yeah, started off in Gardner, Mass. And uh, 978, born and raised. Yeah, 978. <laughs> I'm 781 somehow in New Hampshire. I don't get it. You're 781? I'm 781. I thought all New Hampshire 603. I did too. Oh, wow. Yeah, news to me. So you do you still live in Gardner? No, I currently live in uh, Durham, New Hampshire right now, which is okay. still the the college town of UNH. Yep. Um, you know, looking, looking to get my own place, looking to get an investment property. In the uh, next 6 to 12 months, I'd like to really, like yourself, you know, buy – buy a flipper or, you know, something I can, you know, live in one and rent out the other. I mean, I, a lot of kids our age are, that's something they're trying to do, but there's definitely a lot of obstacles that, uh, that you have to face. I mean, with interest rates, I'm sure Nate, Nick can talk on that a little bit. Um, it's just, do you really want to? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to look at one on Thursday. It, it's, it's a three fam and match. And I already ran the numbers and I'm like, you know, cause I'm, when I was looking actively at the long-term holds, we were in the fives. So I, off the top of my head, I kind of have an idea. Like that was my mold starting to learn how to analyze properties. We were in the fives. So now when I look at a price of a property, I can sort of, you know, I, I can look at the price and say, all right, this is going to be roughly X amount PNI. So that's what I did with this one. I think it's listed like 550. And I was like, oh, okay, nah, mortgage is going to be, I, I forget the number, like 3200 not even close. Once I threw it in my sheet, it it scraped off like four or 500 bucks net. Wow. And I'm like, you know, now, it, now it's a little tougher to analyze these properties. I'm still going to go take a look at it. But reality is that's not nearly as good of a deal as it would have been six months ago. That's crazy. Not even six. I mean, probably longer than that. Nine. Probably. Nine months. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even six months ago would have been better than now. <laughs> So let me ask you, like, so are you, you think it's only going to get worse or do you think there's going to be a time for these buyers 
to, you know, pull the trigger? Well, I think I there's one of two ways, and Nick and I talk about this a lot. I like Nick's philosophy in that the Fed is going to continue to raise rates. What out of three quarters are you thinking? The remainder of the year, without a doubt, and then probably until Q3 next year. So at this pace, one basis point? So you're saying don't buy until the end of 2024? Not necessarily. I mean, there are deals in the market right now, nationwide, not just New England, but nationwide. If you find something that fits your price range and you think you can get a good ROI for it, whether it's a long-term hold or a fix and flip or anything in between, like run the numbers if the numbers make sense. Go, go after it, but on affordability is at an all-time high for the past 40 years. So with rates continuing to rise, home prices in New England not really seeing that much of a price change, it's it's just, it's, it's a very difficult time right now for home buyers. So I'm not saying buy, I'm not saying wait. It really just comes down to the property, but I would just take the Fed's word of saying they're going to raise interest rates with a grain of salt and have that in the back of your head moving yeah. forward. No, definitely. I mean, this all connects to, to, you know, like the new development that we were talking about earlier. It's just like, you know, if we're going to have this lack of inventory, that just means everyone's house prices are going to rise. So if you can get in the market sooner, I, I believe sooner the better. I mean, if you can get in there now, then I say go for it because, you know, a year from now, there might be a bigger lack of inventory than we're already facing right now. So that's just going to mean the prices of houses are going up. So no, I, I agree. I mean, I think if you have the opportunity to get into the market, definitely, definitely jump on it because. Yeah. Well, I think there's so many, I mean, we, we've talked about this before. There's so many buyers in the market right now and the rates, the idea is to combat inflation and inflate and at least we'll talk real estate right now, the inflation that we've seen in the market, but it hasn't reflected yet. I mean, it's not surprising. We have probably another six months before we start. I mean, I see price drops here and there. Yeah. But I also see price increases. I also see things closing for 10% higher than they were listed at. <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, even in Salem, like my worry is that the lack of inventory is going to continue to force the Fed to drive the rates higher because the rates are not what they're setting them at is not working because we have such a lack of inventory. Mm-hmm. And then raising the rates is going to scare sellers more because then they don't know where to go after. So it's like this vicious cycle where I feel like there has to be a happy medium where we find, you know, a reflection in home prices. They start to drop as rates go up, but it's not as scary to sellers. And I think that we do that again with adding as much inventory as possible. At least we can get rid of the supply and demand issue. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and then, you know, we face the sellers not wanting to sell, but that's a non-issue if we're continuing to build new inventory. Yeah. So what do you have to say to all the people? Like I hear it all the time, you know, I'm working with different buyers and they're like, I'm waiting for the market to crash. It's coming soon. What do you think to people that say that? I, the, the best, I think the best time to buy and wouldn't, I wouldn't say that now is the best time to buy. I wouldn't say don't buy. It's certainly not the best time to buy. I do think, though, in a normal inflation or normal normal rate increasing environment, like I said, home prices tend to tend to drop as uh, as rates raise. But I think that if you're going to choose whether you want a high rate or overpay for a house, choose the high rate because that's the variable. Five years down the road, you can refinance the rate. Mm-hmm. You can never readjust what you paid for the house. 
So I'd, like I said, in a normal rate environment, they're, you know, an equilateral relationship. Yeah. And I hope that we see that soon. And if we do, I would urge buyers bite the bullet on the high rate. <laughs> yeah. Even if, even if it's at a nine, I, if it's at a nine, but prices decrease by 15 or 20%, which is steep, but let's just say for the sake of argument, 15 to be safe. That's a good deal. Because the reality is when, when rates drop back down to the fives, hopefully, you know, that, that I think that's a fair number to look at in the next five years. If they drop back down to the fives, but you paid 20% less for the house at that time because they were so high, you won. Yeah. Because now you have a lower rate and you paid five years ago a much cheaper price for the house. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say I would say don't don't be too, too hesitant to buy. But certainly be a little more cautious when you're looking at the price of the home. You got to be. I mean, I just sold a house in Gardner, my hometown, and it was, you know, nearly $60,000 over asking. Yep. It's just like we're seeing this all the time in the inventory. Just, you know, buyers, I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, it's sad for buyers because, you know, you get 20 offers, you put 20 offers in on a house and you can only accept one. So it's just like a lot of people, a lot of these buyers are just, you know, getting denied, getting denied their offer. And it's like hard to see, but you know, that, like you said, that's just the market that we're in right now. It's just, you see all these, these people that, you know, put in their offers and stuff. And, uh, it's, it's, it's just a tough thing to see. We need more inventory because those buyers obviously aren't getting their chance. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, th- there's a million factors. I mean, I, I don't know if you see this in new construction. I see a lot of people coming to the table with cash. Like there's more cash that I ever imagined was out there. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. It's like, yeah, pe- people are coming like cash talks, like big, I mean, cash is always talk. Cash mm-hmm. is King. But, um, in this instance, it's like, if you see a cash offer, you're, you're going to most likely take that offer. You're going to take that mm-hmm. offer over any FHA loan. I mean, you know, some of the, some of the houses I've had listed, you know, I've had 15 offers and 13 of those offers were FHA loans. Two of them, or, you know, conventional, mostly, you know, 50%, 40% down cash. And those are the offers that we're looking at most because uh, in the market that we're in, least, least risk. And I mean, that's obviously any offer that you're looking at. I mean, more cash, the least risk, but especially like in a, this market, it's just like something you really have to consider. Right. And in the new construction too, I'm sure you know, and I know you know this very well um, right now. It is tough, I will say, for buyers to get into a new construction project early because when they lock their rate and there's a delay in the project, that can make or break their affordability by the time that that house is done. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure you can speak on that a little bit more. Just just being in the business, I'm sure you've done new construction loans. And, yeah, have you ever faced situations where delays in projects have caused affordability issues once the rates risen after the rate lock um there's different scenarios it's not necessarily that right now but there's different scenarios that i've seen for example i had a mortgage close on may 11th for for a guy that was buying a new build in pelham new hampshire mm-hmm. it's a 62 up retirement community they're they're all brand new you know projects um, he originally put his deposit down, a 10% deposit in November, 2021. And he didn't get into his house until May, 2023. Wow. Imagine having what 2.9% rate, 
2.8% rate in November? What were the rates in 2021? 2.8, 2.9, or were they around three? Yeah, yeah, no, they were, at one point, I know my parents have this one at 2.75, so, so, and that was about 21. It's crazy that, to that think about, 2021. 2.75, couple free years money. ago. That's free money. That's a free mortgage, yeah. essentially. You look back, you're like, I'm crazy that I didn't buy a couple <laughs> years ago. Yeah, yeah. I know, it's just nuts. It's crazy how it, the one economic problem you face is just not being five years older. I know. I yep. know, right? Yep. <laughs> That's a big, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. We all pay, everyone's yeah. sitting here and faces that right I now. I know. It just, just get We're all in our early 20s. Out. It's like, man, if we were 29, we'd be worth over a million dollars each Well, right dude, that's what I say. And, and I look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I had, I wish I had cash in 2021. I wish I had like at least a quarter of a million cash because you can spread that fairly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a quarter million in the market that we're in, you could probably spread that between three multifamilies. You know, if 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 you structure your debt correctly, yeah, you could absolutely make that work on three multifamilies. Now, I do remember Mansion Nashua multis were on fire in that rate period. Like I remember seeing nine bedroom three families going for like seven hundred and fifty. They still are on fire. They are, but but like the ones I'm looking at this week are much cheaper. Yeah. So what I will say is I have seen the multifamily market slightly take a hit from the rate increases. And that makes sense because there's not as many buyers for those as there are for primary homes. But I mean, yeah, it's crazy. But those are those things that you, like people like us want to, you know, invest in young kids like right. us want to invest in the market. So I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, I'm fine with so it. So it helps us. Yeah, out. yeah, let the race. So do you own any properties yourself right now? I know no. you've done some flips, right? Yeah, so I I did the flip and it was a it was like 1 to 2, so I, you know, I did I guess bought it at as one, sold off the condo separately, so you could call it one flip, you could call it two. Um, but I've only owned one property. I've nice. I've only actually owned one deed. Um and no, like I said, I mean, I'm on the fence right now between whether I want to allocate some some of my cash into a long-term hold. I really don't want to tie it up. Yeah. You know, there's that, you know, little voice in my head that says, well, all right, six months from now, I buy a flip today. Six months from now, what are we going to be sitting at in terms of ARV? It's pretty easy in a normal, you know, steady environment to predict mm-hmm. what I can resell the property for. But, you know, the condo conversion worked because your margin you already have the margin the second you make two deeds you don't have to put a dime into the property yeah so once you put money into the property that's a bonus so you know it's tough right now making the single deals work um you might be able to find a decent deal that you know sort of cushioning that arv hit that it could take in six months yeah that's the added you know f you yeah that's right yeah. on on the, on the spreadsheet <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so I, I know this is your podcast but what was that um what was that flip like for you like was that like a complete remodel house or did you just you know little tlc put some love into it new yeah carpet, so paint? it was it was an easy one it was um it was built in 89 so it was very new. Oh yeah. You know relatively speaking. Yeah, definitely. Side by side duplex it already had everything separately metered. Um, there was no no common space except a bulkhead. So in terms of attorney work and writing up condo docs, it was very simple. Engineering nice. was very easy. Um, so when I bought it, I had to end one of the tenant's leases. Mm-hmm. I chose the tenant who annihilated that unit. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> That's an easy choice. Yeah, it was a very easy <laughs> choice. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a co- full cosmetic rehab. It was as about as intense as you could be for a cosmetic rehab. So it wasn't a gut job, uh, but everything left and everything was replaced. All new floors, all new cabinets, every, you know, you, you name it, you point to something, it was changed. So the appliances, the looks of the house. Yeah. Yeah. Brand new kitchen, brand new counters, brand, everything. Nice. Um, so yeah, I flipped that side. And then a few months prior to the project being finished, I should add my dad's a GC. So him and I are 50-50 partners and he, he's obviously worked in construction now, yeah. 25 years now. So, um, you know, in terms of flips, we have a pretty good system going. Um, so a couple months before we were ready to sell it, I had given my tenant on the other side the first right of refusal for her unit. So... She agreed she would buy her unit, and then her mother-in-law wanted to buy the flipped unit. So I actually never had to put it on the market. Wow! I never had to. I, I never had to talk about a dream first deal right there. Dude, huh? it was a unicorn property. Yeah. Like I still look back, and I'm like, we got very lucky in that we were able to maximize just about every dime out of that property. That's awesome. Just, man. just everything kind of fell into place. Um, and yeah, it was a great first project. It taught me a lot. It was intense, but not too intense. Yeah. And you know, I hear a lot too, is like the first one's the hardest one. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I, it's so much easier now for me to, you know, like I, I, last week I, I threw an offer for just a condo right down in Salem. And it was like, you know, even something like that prior to purchasing the one in Derry, I would have, you know, been you know, well, well, I could probably it's, sleep at night, but still a lot of money getting thrown around and stuff. And it's right. just like, you know, and I'm like, you know, we, we said it, you know, four or five times, I'll say it again, but the market we're in, it's just, it's scary to throw around that much mm-hmm. money. Um, so I definitely understand where you're coming from. And that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like, you know, I want to get a property in the next six to 12 months, but it's like, it, it's a scary time. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. It's, it's hard to predict, but you know, like, I, I truly believe, I think if we get in now, you know, anyone our age, if you can get in now and if you have, you know, the opportunity to get in, you'd go for it because I think it's going to pay off in the long run. It might suck for a year, maybe two if something happens, but in the long run, future down the road, especially investment properties, I think you're going to be holding on to a nice, nice little check there. At the yeah, end the, absolutely. The and you're, you know, so you're looking in the investment world right now. Definitely. Um, yeah. And so- would that be a house hack? Yeah, it would be. But, you know, the biggest problem I'm facing right now is, you know, I'm a fairly new realtor. You know, um, it's been about six months I've been. So, you know, I, I'm i my, I'm facing the problem of getting, you know, approved for a loan right. right now just because, you know, I have money saved up and I'm ready, you know, to, you know, put a down payment on a house. But it just, I know I need two two years of my taxes. So that's kind of the, the problem I'm facing. You know, I know I can have a, um, what's it called? Cosigner. Cosigner. And, you know, I've looked into that opportunity there with a few different people. So that's always on the table. And that's really what's going to get me close to my six, six to 12 months is having a cosigner. Cause you know, I'm ready to put a down payment on a house. You know, I have the right connections with, you know, hacking a house and well, not hacking a house, but fixing it up and, and doing it myself. You know, I have the right connections. My dad's a plumber. He's a master plumber. Brother's a master electrician. You know, the hands, the uh, blue collar jobs kind of run in my family. So like I have the right connections there. So it really just comes down to, you know, 
getting either approved for a loan or, you know, having a co-signer, but you know, that that's problems that we all face our age. I mean, we're all, you know, either fresh out of college or, you know, new to the real world. So it's problems that everyone's going to face, you know, at our age, you know, twenties, young twenties, but it's uh, definitely something you just kind of got to go for. You got Tyler as a construction connection now too. Exactly. There's one more connection. I didn't even know that coming into the podcast that you do and your dad's a general contractor too. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So I work project management and sort of like he just has, you know, a hundred times more experience than I do, but we do similar jobs and I oversee new construction he does renovations. And stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you guys do like, you just do spec homes or you guys are doing like uh, fixer uppers or you guys do? Yeah, uh, so it's, it's well, so the company that I work for, and actually I had a very similar story to yours. I started as an intern too with them. <laughs> um, it's funny enough, they're actually my next door neighbor. No, that is, and yeah, yeah. they're, they're builders. Funny. So I work for them, project management, like on site. And then my dad and I, we do flips on the side. Um, trying to, you know, increase that volume a little bit, but he still has his own construction company that he's been running for 25 years. Wow. And so he'll do, you know, his main job is like just renovations, bathrooms, kitchens, additions, stuff like that. Um, and you know, like I said, we kind of have our own skill sets. I'm the one in real estate, so I have access to the deals and yeah, kind of handle the acquisitions. And so you and your side. dad, like 50, 50 partners with. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It, it's awesome too. I mean, my dad and I have always been close. Yeah. Um, that's great to have yeah. that relationship. Yeah. So that internship you started with your neighbors, what, how did, what did you do with them? Like, so, were, were they renovations or were they new builds? New builds. So they're a fairly large builder in, in Southern New Hampshire. What's their name? Um, DHB Homes. DHB. So Homes. we're mostly like Salem. Oh, I think I've seen them. DHB Homes. Yeah. I've yeah. definitely seen them you, around. You probably yeah. follow them. Uh, I do. Yeah, yeah. that's how I've seen Yeah, them. that's probably how you've seen them. So, you know, we build, we build, up, you know, around the million dollar mark for homes. So they're very, very nice homes, especially for the area too. Yeah. I know the Seacoast, you guys see higher prices over there. Yeah. Um, but, true. you know, still over, over here, relatively speaking, we, we build a very high quality product. I mean, this neighborhood is a great neighborhood. Yeah. Funny sale. enough, they built this neighborhood. Really? Yeah. They built all these homes? So, uh, most way, of them? Way back. So it, it's like, a, it's a family owned company. Mm-hmm. And so the the parents sort of you know they're they're at the point where they're retiring so they were the ones that built this neighborhood that's and, but cool. it's the same company they obviously built their house yeah, next door that's awesome and um, so you selling their homes no so it's the family company she's the she's she, a realtor yeah she's a realtor both of them are oh um, so they build it and they sell it they build that's it and they sell it. it yeah and you know like I said I don't do the ton of the volume with my license yeah like to but. You know, that's um, my, my, the benefit that I had in not going 100% into being a realtor was that I worked W-2. So getting approved for a loan was slightly easier. I didn't need that two years. Um, and I did have a co-signer, by the way. I think oh, you did? I think it's a good idea. Yeah. It's a very good idea. Especially if you have the money ready yeah. to go, you know, right. you get approved for more. And it's like, I'm not worried if I'm getting an investment property of a three family, I'm not really worried about paying my mortgage because most of it will be paid by, mm. you know, the people living in the property, but I still have money. If you know, you always need your, oh shit money. Like right. if something happens and I still would have that money to the side. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I think co-signing is a way to go, especially if you don't have that long, long history of uh, making money. And at our age, you know, we only have a two or three years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I would a hundred percent do that. I think it's, I think it was a, 
a good move. Did you have your parents co-sign? Yeah, so I had my stepdad co-sign. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And, you know, because he's also W-2. My parents are both corporate, and my my stepdad and my mom are corporate people. Mm-hmm. And then my, my dad, he's obviously self-employed, yeah. business owner. So it made more sense for my stepdad, just as a W-2 guy, to, to co-sign on that loan. But like I said, it, it was – I did it for a flip. So yeah. it's like the pressure's on to get his name off of this note yeah. because he doesn't want that DTI held up. So, you know, for you, being able to purchase a long-term, a long-term hold and getting a co-signer on there, stabilizing it, I think, like I said, I think that's a great idea. And I think that's cool that you'd be able to expedite that process too. Yeah, exactly. Because it's real, it really just comes down to you know, I, I keep saying it, but it just comes down to just getting a property. The first one's the hardest one. You've already had your first property. Went smooth for you, which right. is awesome as a first, you know, first flipper. That's awesome. Um, but I feel like once you, you know, you get your first one and you get that confidence and then, you know, as somebody told me, <clears throat> I forgot who it was. It was someone, you know, I looked at a mentor of mine said, once you hit your first million, he said, things get easier. Yeah. He's like, you have money to work with. And once you start learning how to use the money that you have, you know, putting it into different investments, rolling it over, you know, refinancing houses. I know, I know people, all, all kids our age know the Burr effect and stuff, you know, buy, rehab. Um, what's the other one? Refinance. Yeah. And then buy, renovate, renovate, rent, refinance. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, a lot of kids our age, there's a lot more behind that. You know, when you actually are like in it, like you bought your first house, it's a lot harder than just let me buy it for three point five percent, renovate it, refinance it, and then yeah. I, I mean, but my my little tangent on the Burr method is I think it's a, a great approach. You need a perfect market for it because you need to be able to buy exactly. low, have the funds to renovate, then make sense on the return. Your mm-hmm. your NOI needs to be high enough, so you need to be able to. I guess I get the property for cheap enough, then put the cash into it to still make your return look better than just being the market. Then you need to hope that your renovation, you know, because you want to find that happy you want medium to make sure between, it fits your, your, um, your price range. Like, you well, know. yeah, you want it, you want it to appraise out, especially since what it's, you can only pull up to 70 LTV, correct? On yep. a refi, on a cash out refi. So you need to make sure that you've increased that property enough. Yeah. People don't realize that just looking right. like, you know, we got all these people watching just social media, the quick, quick posts on social media. And they're like, oh, I'll do that. It's like, there's a lot more behind it. It's right. Like, it's like you got I encourage that people to look for 5% it. down, but now refinancing, you're tech- theoretically going to be 30%. Yeah. Maybe not out of pocket. But like I said, you have to find that happy medium between, all right, well, I'm renting this, so I don't want to put 50 grand into this unit. But at the same time, if I don't put in 50 grand, it's not going to appraise out yeah. for my refi to make sense. It's a great method, but you need to, it I, It only really works on an uptrending market mm-hmm. because as you renovate, prices tend to increase, rents increase, then the refi at the end is a bit higher. So uh, like I said, I, I don't think it's a bad method. And I certainly think it, it helps to look at a deal. I think the, the most beneficial part about looking at deals as burrs is that you get to analyze it in different ways. Yeah. So you get to look at a deal and say, how would this work as a hold? How would this work as a flip? How would this work as just an equity um, le- leverage point, right? Like I, I, yeah, I know a lot of people who just purchase property for the sole fact that it's in a slowly increasing market that doesn't have too much fluctuation. 
And, it, you know, similar to like life insurance where you're sort of putting it in to have a leverage point down the road. Same thing with some of these assets is people will park their money into it, hoping that they get, you know, a 6% return annually on it. And in, from an equity standpoint, yeah. so that in five years, they're able to borrow from it. Yeah. Um, there's a million different ways to go about it. No, definitely. And I don't even know how we got there, but I, I know that <laughs> we were talking about getting your first, just get your first one. Yeah. <laughs> Moral yeah. of the story, get your yeah, first exactly. property. Get your first. And, and get, once you hit a million dollars of, you know, investments and, you know, you have start money to work with, then it's just going to get easier. And that's kind of where I think we're all at in right. this stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all in this game. And, you know, a lot of people our age are in the same game. So it's just like. You're going to be buying yours soon, huh? Yeah. Me? Yeah. What do you you qualify as soon? 12 months. That's ideal. 12 months, 24. Okay. In the next one to two years for sure. Yeah. You want to buy an uh, investment property? Probably a house hack. Yeah. So investment property for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. In Denver? Denver or here. Wherever. It's wherever the money lines up. Okay. Yeah. So you would move back from denver to here if, if the if, money made if, sense if yeah it made sense I, okay. I i plan to bounce back and forth right period so are you renting in denver and here right now or how, how are you living right now so i actually signed a lease for an apartment for denver starting on august 19th so i'm moving on monday you are <laughs> yeah are you yeah. there for good I'll be there for the year. Oh, you least. didn't even tell me? I sure I told you. I'm going to text him, get a beer. He's going to be in Denver. Yeah. Can't get a beer no more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was for this uh, this Thursday, wasn't it? Was it not? Yeah, that this Thursday we're getting a beer. Yeah, but I'm leaving the following Monday. For so. some reason, when I thought you were leaving, I thought you were like, you know, doing your two-week trip. But you're there for good. I'll be there. So I, I'm, I'm going to come back for two weeks in October, you know, for friends, family, business, yeah. et cetera. I'll be back for probably two to three during Christmas. Okay. Same so thing. You'll, okay. I'll be back again in March for at least two to three weeks again. Maybe we'll go and visit him. Yeah. I yeah. Do, go do you ski your board? I love skiing. Can't figure just, it out. No, <laughs> you can't? No. There's no better place to be for skiing oh, yeah, no, than out there. But kind of like Sam Simpson on your team, he bounces back between New Hampshire and Florida. Yeah. Why can't I do the same with lending in New Hampshire and Colorado? Definitely. I, no, it's a there's way no reason it. why you can't do it. Exactly. So. Yep. That's, that's a good... So good way to look at it. If um, if the money makes sense in Greater Denver, I'll invest there. If it makes sense here in New England, probably New Hampshire. Actually, definitely New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Maine, but not Mass. But New Hampshire is probably would be ideal for me. Yeah, there's yeah. so many people moving to New Hampshire. Like it's one of the most desirable places to live. Like on it was like a top five list. Uh, New Hampshire was one of them, and uh, Florida, which I, I haven't even got into this, but the team that. I work for is also connected to a team down in Florida. So I kind of, you know, we have both of those solid markets, you know, we're connected to New Hampshire and connected to Florida. And those are two of the best top five places to move in the U S. So it's just like, we're definitely in the right States and definitely in the right places. And, you know, people are thousand people are moving to Florida a day. And, you know, a lot of people are moving to New Hampshire that either want to be somewhere warm for half the year and they want to be somewhere, nice area uh the other half of the year so right yeah i see a lot of people actually moving from the south up to exactly yeah a lot of our i think one of our subdivisions we just finished up two or three of the buyers it was only a 10 lot subdivision two or three of the buyers were from texas you were doing this was the one you did with your yeah with that yeah oh yeah yeah it was one in salem uh but yeah a lot of people are going back and forth there's there's a lot of 
moving back and forth. The problem with Florida right now is just flood insurance. Mm -hmm. That is really causing problems right now. Like there are so many areas where you can't even get a mortgage. Mm -hmm. I I know one person whose her flood insurance renewed 10 times higher than the original the original policy so how's that work does does flood insurance like change every year or is it like well when you just go for to, to renew the policy wow. they can just dictate what the new rates are yeah and and so it's it was 10 times higher and i'm not even exaggerating 10 times higher nice. i think she was near the intercoastal but how can you justify that i mean a, a flood insurance policy already I, I, I don't know what it is, but like you got to imagine it's close to homeowner's insurance. Yeah, definitely. So you say, you know, whatever, a thousand bucks a year. Maybe it's probably a little bit more, but let's just say that to be safe. These people are paying 10 grand a year <laughs> for flood insurance. <laughs> yeah. We, we factor all forms of home flood insurance, fire insurance into the DTI. Um, our t- we have people in, within Megastar who are licensed in Florida, and you hit the nail on the head there. We've seen nine. 10x increases in flood insurance yeah it's that is just crazy well that's so unaffordable that's one of the reasons my parents are kind of hes- hesitant on buying down there because mm-hmm. it's funny you say that my parents just bought down there did they where they bought on the east coast um have you ever heard of stewart florida yep it's near like jupiter and west palm yep and they bought like three or four months ago and they were worried you know probably same reason your parents were worried you know, just with how the house, how house prices are, flood insurance, all that stuff that we're just talking about. Um, but they bought four in the mid sixes, and their house now is in the mid sevens. Oh, that was in awesome. like three or four. Good months. for them. So they were nervous about it, and you know they still have their nerves. But I mean, they've already, you know, nearly a, like I think it's like eighty grand. Yeah, in equity they, already. In equity already. So that's like a reliever for them. Um, you know, that could change, but that's a good point too. I mean, and I'm not going to try and get weatherman technical, here, but, <laughs> but I do know that a lot of the jet streams run into the Gulf. So I'm sure the East coast is a little more insulated in terms of these massive hurricanes. Like I know Definitely. the reason for this flood insurance is because of these hurricanes and they're notorious for coming up the Gulf. Like, that's more like Tampa, right? You're well, my parents about- are looking at Tampa. I love yeah. Tampa. I love St. Pete. I love that area. It's not looking good in no, the financials. Not a- yeah. Definitely so, not. like, I was even, you know, I was telling you, too, I was looking to just maybe buy, like, a shitter condo down there. Just something where my parents and I go half and half on. It's like, it's like you know, the idea would be to hold it for a couple of years just to have a spot to go down to um, periodically. But I'm like, I don't know what we can sell it for because not most people wouldn't be buying cash. Yeah. So, it's like, you know, you need to look at the... Look at the resale, especially if you're only going to hold it for a couple of years. What's the resale going to look like more so? What's the affordability in terms of costs like that that you don't obviously think of? Yeah. You're, you're right. But, um, all right, let's get back on track. <laughs> yeah, we're talking bit. about flood Yeah, I know. We're all over the place. <laughs> um, so, you know, I know that, you know, you went to UNH, you played football. Give me one skill that football taught you whether it's the sport itself or just the environment of the team and the game itself, what's one skill that you have taken with you into the professional world? You know, I would say, you know, one of the biggest skills, and it kind of relates to working with a team. So, you know, I've always been part of a team. The team structure, you know, through sports has always been important to me. I feel like, you know, when you surround yourself with successful people, you're going to do successful things. If you surround yourself with, with bums, 
you know, you're not going to be, gonna be yeah, you're going to be a bump. So I'm, I'm very happy that, you know, as part of this team, you know, a lot of people coming, you know, my three team leads all coming from different aspects. Um, but they're just all very, uh, intelligent type of guys. And, you know, um, the, the agents that I work with all have, you know, 20, 25 years of experience. Some of them are new, but it's just like with all the stuff we got going on in new development and stuff, it's like being around a team was like one of the big important reasons, you know, connecting to football of why I want to, you know, be part of this team. It's just switching teams. It's a little different career. I mean, I'm not hitting people. I'm selling houses, but, um, you know, you, you surround yourself with successful people, you're going to have successful results. So, right. So yeah. that was a, yeah, no, there. Uh, that, that's cool. So, so that was, that's sort of like what you're familiar with is the team aspect. Yeah. You know, I've, I've played hockey, mm-hmm. uh, but I wasn't great and nor did I really give too much of a shit about sports. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I like to think that like I'm a team oriented person. I've a decent delegator, but I'm more so the opposite. Uh, if you know, in general, I'm more like an independent solo type of guy. Um, so I found it like fairly difficult to, to you know, managing's been great. Like being in project management has yeah. has been awesome because you know I get to work on those skills of delegation and you know connecting with other people and um, you know, but that's cool. So that's a skill you took from football. But what do you think your biggest asset is? Just you know, because like you said, your your mentor he he came from the marketing world. So the skill that he brought to the table, and paired with real estate, was marketing. Yeah. And some people are better at sales, right? So just like talking and networking with people. Uh, somebody I had on a couple of weeks ago, who was an engineer, he was he his skill was he's just very systemized. He was like you know he he had organization from an engineering background. So. Is that really like your general skill or is there an overbearing skill, like something that you're just very good at naturally, not even that came from football necessarily, or it could have, it could yeah. be the team, team aspect. Yeah. I mean, I've always had a strong work ethic. So, I mean, that's something football's taught me, but you know, just, I've been resilient and just, you know, I've always just go out there and just get it done. Like, that's my thing. I try to go get it done. So like, you know, go back to the internship, you know, cold calling these people, you know, cold calling, Nick could probably touch on this, isn't isn't the easiest thing, you know, to reach out to people you don't know and, you know, talk to them, have a conversation with them. And, you know, so I think for me, it was just the work ethic and the resistance, you know, the builder that I got in to do the $60 million plus project, I called him four times. I called him four times. He picked up the first time, said, you know, call me back. It wasn't seemed then that that interested. Didn't answer me the second time. Third time was like, uh, like, I don't know if I want to come into your office. And then the fourth time, he's like, you keep calling me. He's like, I, there must be something. He's like, I'll come in, give me the address. You know, we set up a time and he comes in to, to the office. And uh, by the end of the, after we talked to him about, you know, how we market for new development, you know, we work from builders. You know, from inception to sellout, no realtor is doing that with new development. You know, we're not just putting a sign in the ground when the project's finished. We're working with them from the start of the project with our, you know, fabulous renderings that we have. We don't have cartoon renderings. But anyways, you know, he saw the value that we had. And at the end of the meeting, he thanked me. It was like, thanks for like calling me, <laughs> you yeah. know, three or four times. I wish I came in the first time you called me. So just, I think it was just, you know, resist, like, 
just not taking no for an answer and just, you know, getting out there and, you know, um, being resilient. So, yeah. And that, that that's what I'm, I'm sure like, like you attested to Nick too, doing this. That's really what separates you. That's why you found the 60,000 agents who quit because they didn't have that resilience. Yeah. I don't mean that to be offensive, but in reality, yeah. that that's the case. Yeah. And another thing too on that is just like going back to the team aspect, like for me, you know, you can take a test, you can study paper for real estate and stuff and take the test and get your license. But like that has nothing to do with closing a deal or, you know, getting leads or getting referrals or it's like connected back again to connecting the dots. It's like they don't teach you this stuff in the exam. So for me, like being part of this team for the past three or four months, I've learned more than I have ever in college just of like, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm. I mean, that speaks heavy in real estate. It's like, it's just about talking to the right people, making the connections with the right people, being seated in front of the right people. Um, and that's something like my team's taught me. It's like, I don't know how I would have, you know, gotten where I am already without that team around me. Um, so fast forward a year or two from now, with all the new development projects that are going to hit in 2024 with our team, I mean, I can only imagine uh, the success that's going to be around uh, Brick and Barn. Right. So, so, um, so, all right, we're 2023 now. We're halfway through. If you had to give me three of your most important goals for the next 12 months, so I don't mean January 1st of 24. I don't mean January 1st at the of 25. Like from I mean now until next from, August. From now until next August, what is a fiscal goal that you have? Financial. You know, it doesn't have to. You don't have to give me a number. Just like you know, yeah. w- w- business, fiscal, whatever. What's one skill that you want to acquire, and what's one personal goal that you have? Like just just in your life, something that you want a, a hobby or whatever. You yeah, know, you answer it how you want. So. Finance wise, um, you know, we've been talking about, I want to own my first investment property. I mean, I feel like for me, like, you know, talking about, you know, interest rates and stuff. Yeah, they're high, but you know, what's higher right now is rent, rent rates. Like I want to own my own place. Like, so that's a big financial goal for me is just get my own place. Um, you know, I rather be paying a mortgage and paying, you know, technically myself than paying rent to, it's just, you know, F you money, it's just gone. Once you, once you pay your rent, it's, you can't get it back. Um, so that's a big financial goal for me. And that's something I'm really going to work on by next August that I, you know, I want to have an investment property, you know, duplex, three family, something, um, some goal for me, like, uh, what was the second one? You said something that I want to, a skill I want to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever kind of skill. So, you know, something I I just, I always talk about this is, you know, I'm not afraid to talk to people, not afraid to, you know, cold call people, but I want to really master my craft. And what I mean is like, you know, I'm new to real estate, been in it, you know, for, you know, since January and there's so much to learn. Like I've learned so much from January to the end of my internship, which was about, you know, four or five months. And then from that end of that five months, which was around May to now I've learned four times what I learned in my internship. It's just like the real world like experience being around that team. So for me, I want to master my craft. I want to, by the end of next August, I want to be, you know, somebody has a question for me. I want to be able to answer that right off the top of my head. I want people to come with me knowing certainty, like he knows what he's doing, you know, 
So, you know, that takes time, obviously, but just being around the team, you know, doing podcasts like this, learning stuff, it's all about learning and absorbing. Um, Not everyone knows everything, but so I just want to be able to, you know, take everything I can learn in the next year, absorb a ton of information. You know, I just go to the office sometimes. I just listen to other realtors. You know, I've, I've only been in it for six months, but some of the agents I sit next to have been in it for 20 years. So those are the best people to sit around and just kind of hear of their experience so you can minimize your mistakes by hearing some of the mistakes they've made you know 5 10 15 20 years ago so that's uh definitely one one thing skill i want to learn is just mastering my craft and working on you know being the best or one of the best realtors in the seacoast and you know particularly in in new development too yep. so and then personal goal Geez, personal goal. I'm too focused on business right now. I don't know a personal goal for me. Um, like a gym goal? A gym goal? Yeah, something like that. Like any anything. Oh, geez. Let me think here. All right. Put me on the spot with the personal goal. <laughs> this is the stuff you like learn though. Like I've gotten asked this too. Like put on the spot. What's a goal that you have? And I'm like, shit, I never thought about it. Yeah. And it's the most important thing. It really is because like I'm so absorbed just with like my business right now and just like mastering my craft and working on setting myself up for the future like my really you know i mean personal goal hmm. you know what a personal goal for me is this is what my personal goal is now that i'm done football it's just like staying to staying to go in the gym four or five days a week it's so hard to you know stay in shape when when you don't have a sport to play and i didn't realize that until three or four months ago it's like i catch myself not going to the gym like i used to i used to go like five six days a week and it's like you know your physical health is most important because like you can make all the money in the world but if you're you know if you're not in shape and you don't have like some health you know to you then you know what what what's money gonna do you know you can't buy you can't buy your health right so i i guess for me it would be you know staying in shape and and you know Working out in the morning to kickstart your day is one of the best things you can do. You know, I like to wake up at six and try to go to the gym at least three or four days a week. And, you know, it's harder without a sport. But, you know, personal goal, I guess, would be just, you know, staying in shape and staying healthy because it, you know, clicks your mind too. Yeah. It's a good jump start to your day. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, actually, I I don't think it was the Dalai Lama, but it might have been him. He said people will exchange their health for wealth. And then later in life, they will buy back their health with their wealth. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's a good point. I mean, I've, I've always, or since I took on going to the gym religiously and like, that's, that's pretty much the main activity that you and I do is we go to the gym. It's not so much, Hey, let's get coffee or lunch. It's no, let's go get a pump. pump It's really is like a good, like, but it's, it's a feel good. It is. It's a feel good. And I put it above. I put it above everything. Like you go in the morning, you like kick your to, day, to, or you like yeah, you're a nighttime day. dude. I'm now a night. I used to go at four, so I'd really? wake up at That's like three thirty and I'd be there by four. And but I was going to bed at like twelve because I was working until midnight. Yeah, That's not and so I'm like three and a half hours, and yeah. then I work in construction all day as well. So I'm like, there's no way I can keep this up. Um, so now I go at night, but I've put it over everything. Yeah. If if I have work to do, but I haven't gone to the gym. Nine times out of ten, yeah. If it's a client thing, and I have to, t- if I have somebody else, I have to take care of, then they come first. Definitely. But if it's my own work, 
that goes in the back burner if I haven't hit the gym. Because for me, fitness is, has been not only the, the number one thing that has grounded me, but it's also helped me make better decisions in terms of mental oh, clarity. Definitely. Like if, if I have a tough decision to make, I'll head to the gym, come back, then I'll make the decision. Yeah. Uh, yeah and I, I think there's something to be said too for like walking into a room looking the part looking the part looking like you give a shit about yourself because you you already display value before you, you bring it you gain respect right when you yep. walk in the room exactly 100 percent agree like it's just like you know i mean i'm not gonna you know this is a podcast that's gonna go live but like if you're walking in and you don't look the part then you know it doesn't matter what you know you've already lost a little bit of respect and Absolutely. it's a sad sad thing but it's true it's like the hard truth it's like you gotta look the part and I, I agree with you 100%. It's like for me, like you used to go in the morning and now you go at night. But for me, it's like I like going before my day starts. It kind of just like if I just wake up and go to work, my brain's foggy. I wake up and I get a nice pump in. It's like I feel 10 times better. I know what I got to do for the day. It's like I feel like even when it's, you know, like 11 o'clock, 11 in the morning, some people are, you know, just up for a few hours. I've already been up for like seven, eight hours. It's like. I'm ready to go, you know? Yeah. So it kickstarts your day. Definitely. It huge, does. It, it does. I, I'd love to, I'd love to have enough time to be able to wake up, hit cardio, start my day, then lift in the night. Mm-hmm. You're just so, you're so ahead of everyone. Yeah. It's really just a huge head start. Do you know, uh, do you know Shane Monahan and Keen? He's an EXP realtor. No. He's a good dude. You should, you should follow him on Instagram. He's been doing two workouts a day recently. Cardio at like, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., runs like seven, wow. eight miles every morning. Yep. I ran Works all day. <laughs> Literally works all day. And then like eight, nine o'clock at night, he's sitting in the gym for an hour. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's what he does every that's, single that's, day. That's ideal. That's ideal because I loved working out. I couldn't get a good pump in in the morning. I wasn't seeing the physical lifting results I wanted to in the morning because I just... I, it, it, the, the, the workout I think that's most beneficial is the cardio in the morning. It's made to kickstart your Definitely. day, but you're not in the, it, I could, you know, I'm not speaking on the biological part of it. I, it, it could be very beneficial. I yeah. don't know, but I found better results lifting at night. I agree. I agree. I, you know, strength wise, I felt better at night, but just for, you know, I'm not trying to get huge anymore. Like I don't, I'm just trying to stay in shape and feel good and look good. So for me, it was like just get in the morning and just. You know, starting off your day, right. but I agree with you. Like night is definitely um the better results, yeah, for sure. No, for sure, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing too with physical, you were talking about this. This is something I did. I went on a. Have you boys ever fasted or anything? Mm-hmm. You did. So I, I did my best. <laughs> I did. I did two weeks ago. I went on a three day fast, seventy two hours. It was not. It was crazy. <laughs> like. It was one of those Holy shit. Yeah, 72 three, hours, 72 hour fast. So I, I've read of all these health benefits and no, stuff. No, there, there are health and benefits. There's a lot of health benefits. So you can do intermediate fasting, which, you know, this is a real estate podcast. But we're gonna talk no, no, about. no, no. It's real. It was real estate lifestyle fitness. Oh, cool. it's, it's, it's yeah, no, go. Do so you, you get like, you can fast intermediate fasting. That's probably what you did, Nick, where you doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, uh, you know, 12 hours, but the real health gain um, for long-term fasting for, you know, I think it's like 48 hours plus is, you know, there's so many bad blood cells. I mean, as humans right now, we eat so much food and like we were never meant to eat and consume like three meals a day, like wake up and eat 
lunch, eat, go to bed, eat. Like that's just not how we were designed. So we have a lot of bad blood cells. So there's like a lot of studies behind it of fasting long-term, you know, three times a year you do like a 72 hour fast. Yeah. It's not often. No, I know it's very unhealthy to do it all the time. Oh yeah. Very unhealthy. So you do it once in a while and it cleans out the bad blood cells because you're, you're giving your body nothing to work with besides water and salt. That's all I had was just water and salt for electrolytes. And obviously I had to stay hydrated and, um, you just, it's kind of like a flush. You kind of clean out all those bad blood cells. And there's a lot of studies, like when you get sick, like you get a cold or something, you're supposed, if you go on like a three day fast, like your cold will go right away. Like I've heard that. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of studies behind like, you know, helping, um, less, like you won't have a cause of cancer and stuff like less cancer, uh, relations with that. So there's definitely a lot of uh, health benefits behind it. So I want to try it. Like, obviously, you know, anyone can post anything and say there's health benefits. So I want to try and see how I felt. And honestly, like after, you know, my three day fast, I broke my three day fast at like 6 PM. It was my last, it was my first meal. And the next morning I felt like a million dollars, Yeah, like ready to go. Like, and even during the fast, I mean, the first day was hard. You know, I've never gone 24 hours, never mind 72 hours without food. So I kind of just went for it. And I was like, my mouth was dry. I was like, God oh, damn, like I can't eat anything tonight. Woke up on day two feeling great, like hundred percent energy, no headaches, nothing. End of day two, I felt great too. Day three morning felt amazing. Like really no food, but day three, like afternoon, I was like, damn, this is tolling on me. <laughs> I, I went to the beach too. I was like, damn, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like still going to work. Like I still did. My, I still went to the gym. I still went to work like my, I just went about my day, but just with no food, just water. And honestly, highly recommended to, to give it a try. And if you can't do 72 hours, try like 24 or 48. Imagine start. you trying to do a fast with all your lunch meetings. You'd be oppressed all day just sitting around. <laughs> oh, that food, was hard. Not being able to eat. <laughs> In the lunchroom at work we had, oh my God, people were cooking food. I'm like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. But, I feel like I have lunch meetings like four days a week with people. I'm like, that, that'd be tough to do. Oh, that'd be horrible. It was tough. Yeah. It, it was a good mental thing, too. Like, it was just, like, a mental, like, it was more, like, as much as it helped me, I think, physical, and I think in the long term, I'm going to do it, like, twice a year, and I think it's going to have huge health benefits. But for me, too, just mentally, it's, like, something I just wanted to see if I could push my limits a little bit. Like, yeah, why not give it a try? See see how it, see how if I can do it. Yeah. I mean, a couple of my friends tried it, and they, they went, like, 22 hours. So maybe, like, maybe I'll give it a shot. You give, might have inspired me. To, yeah, give it a little shot, see if you like it. That'll be a tough one, though. It, it feels good when you're done, though. Yeah, I'm sure. And I didn't have a headache. or Like, I was worried, like, if I didn't eat, like, I'd have a headache. Because whenever I have headaches, I'm like, oh, I must have to eat something. But that must not be true. Because right. I must just be dehydrated. That, yeah, it's usually the cause yeah. is, is dehydration. Yeah. So, um, on that note, I'll take yeah. a sip of water. There you go. <laughs> um, I might as well ask you, too. I know I asked you your goals, but I th- I think that, that that was a maybe more specific way of asking what's a fiscal, what's a um, what's a skill, and what's a personal. Yeah, uh, fiscal goal for what for like the next year or twenty twenty four. It doesn't like I said it doesn't have to be a number, just just a, a business or a financial milestone. Like a short term or long term fiscal goal, or just for the so, just uh, for the year from August now to next. Okay, August, cool. like twelve month. Um. Definitely to move up in the rankings for production for Megastar. This year is obviously a bit low, just nation, just industry wide. So 
also just being younger and building more connections and make using utilize my resources more. So just really honing in on those more would be better for me in terms of like a fiscal goal to, to achieve a, a skill goal to achieve. I guess, again, just kind of like Justin mastering my craft as a lender, you know, being always up to date with market updates, economic trends, et cetera. And then just being the, trying to find different ways to provide value as a loan officer, such as cutting my uh, commission recently. So not to interrupt you, but I do want to talk about that. If you're ready to talk about it now, if you had more to add, whatever. Yeah. So me and my branch manager decided to cap our commission in order to utilize that extra commission we would have made into helping with either the closing costs or buying down the interest rate further to help our buyers save a little bit more money at the closing table or throughout their monthly payments as well. Yeah. So you capped it. And so the idea is to just really to use those funds as you know, real for whatever the the buyer needs. So if they don't need to buy down the rate, I mean, obviously it's always good to buy down the rate. But you know, if if the rate's decent and they're okay with it, they apply it to closing costs, like or they just it, it's just a sum of money that gets allocated to the best spot possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does it work? It really depends on the buyer and what their situation is. You know, if they are an FHA buyer, maybe they have a little bit less cash at closing. You know, we'll put those money towards to the closing costs so they can have more li- liquidity after they close. Or, you know, if they just want to have a lower monthly payment, allocate that towards discount points to buy down the rate. It really, again, just, it just depends on the buyer to see what would make the most sense for them financially. So why, I got to ask, why, what's your, what's your reason for doing this? Build I mean, market share. Build market share, yeah. Yep. I mean, that's... Again, we, we talked about how many LOs and realtors are leaving the industry right now. So this is the time for us to really capitalize to make our names yeah. more known in the industry. Definitely. So I mean, that is one if I can help close more deals that way and provide a, a value like that, you it's know, all about the future. You're setting up your future. The, mm-hmm. We're all doing the same thing. You, you're setting you up usually your need to pay plans. your dues now. Yeah, it, totally. it's like paying your totally. dues. But it also, like, I like it a lot because it also just goes with your personality. They're just a, a giving person, and that's you know an admirable trait of yours. So I, I, it's not surprising that that's the route you took yeah. to kind of differentiate yourself from other LOs. You it's going to be a huge difference. It's oh, going to be huge. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't know, somebody, I don't know yeah. anyone doing that. I don't so know a single some, person doing I mean, I want to use you right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, go buy a house. Exactly. <laughs> Pay down my rate. Yeah. No. It's got it down like a two. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, though. Uh, that's a two... Good luck with that. But so, how much after you know taking your commission cut? Like, what what are you? I mean, I don't know if you you just started this, but like, what are you seeing um, as results? Like, are, have you used have you used it with any buyers yet, or is this fairly new? Buyers are definitely you know happy to hear it. You know, yeah. Who doesn't love hearing? Oh, hey, by the way, you're gonna save money with you know with, with your with your house. Yeah. Who doesn't want to hear that? So, especially right now when there's so much uncertainty around rates and home prices. Also, the the economy in general, when someone is going through a pretty big decision to buy a property, you know, regardless of whatever that, you know, the reason for buying the property is, when you tell them, hey, by the way, I'm going to be able to save you a few grand or more on your, on your house, whether it's up front or throughout the course of the mortgage, people are going to love to hear that. So yeah, so is that what is that a couple points? Could it be a, up to a few points there? It depends on the size of the mortgage. Yeah. And then um, obviously I think if the, the higher the mortgage, the more they're going to receive back. Yeah. So it just depends on the mortgage. And again, really so, whatever they, however they want to utilize that money back to them is 
up to them. So you're doing that with all? Like that's this all is them. Yeah. From here on out, you're doing that with everyone. You that's work if with. I the commissions capped. Yeah. So you have the choice to cap the commission still. So if the mortgage is big enough to where I hit that commission cap, any dollar amount over that is going back into. So it has to be a big mortgage. enough mortgage. Yeah. Too. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And yeah. you know that's obviously a great way. Aside from obviously just just it fitting in with your character, it's also like you said, just a good way to kind of differentiate mm-hmm. yourself. And that that's a great point too. You know, especially us younger guys in the market, and you being a fairly new realtor, what is your what's your angle? How do you see yourself? You know, I know we talk about your skills, but how do you differentiate yourself? Or maybe maybe you haven't come up with that yet. What's some ideas that you may have? You know, for just Making it so that you are when they when a client comes to you, they notice something different. Yeah, I mean, I I think that just goes back to you know my work ethic. Um, I think it just goes back to you know we we're we're in a market now, and you know you're we're all young here, but like a lot of people are doing things old fashioned. It's like it's time for a new new age um, of realtors to step up and use our social media marketing and use this exactly podcasts like this and just use the resources we have. And you're seeing a lot of these retail, uh, real realtors that are kind of, uh, you know, getting to the end of their journey and stuff with being in there. It's time for, you know, us to take our experience with the knowledge that we have, um, and use it. I mean, social media is one of the biggest, um, things that realtors can use right now just to, it's a sphere of influence that they can use. They can promote a lot of things on there and stuff. And I feel like a lot of these um, old-time realtors aren't using that stuff. So I, I'd say that's part of it is just, you know, my work ethic and using the right resources um, that kind of separates me. Um, and, you know, I'm still learning a lot of new things and stuff. But, you know, I'm around a team with 25 years of experience. So it's just like that we've – and we work for one of the number one firms uh, in the country. So it's like – you know, I'm around the right people. So it's like when when I sign you up for a listing or if I have a buyer client and stuff, you're not you're not just working with me, you're working with my team. Right. So it's kind of that's a big thing that separates us. You don't get one agent, you get ten agents all working. We're all sharing your we're all sharing your posts, we're all sharing the listing that you just have, and it just creates a lot of exposure for you selling your property. So right. um Yeah, so you're with a great team. And that's an asset to you as well, Huge. and and all the agents in that. In that Huge, office. yeah, exactly. You, I mean, just to have you know nine or ten different agents posting your listing or sharing your listing is huge. I mean, just we see it all the time. Is like we just, um, you know, you see a, a one of my agents shares my post, and then he gets a lead, you know, a buyer lead. That's oh, I'm interested in that house, and that happens a lot. You got ten different agents all sharing different posts and, you know, getting the word out there and stuff. And it's just, again, goes back to that team aspect. And I think that's a huge uh, thing that separates, separates me and just being part of just a team with so much knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You have anything to add there? No, you no. hit the nail on the head there. For sure. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So before I jump into this thing, uh, this thing that I do, um, it's a, it's a, I'll explain it in a second. Yeah. Um, just, I know we talked about your 12 month goal. What's three, five and 10, three, five and 10. You know, I'm, I'm still thinking about some of these goals myself, but you know, you know, my goal for me 
And, you know, it's easy to say you need to have a plan to put this into place. And, you know, I'm working on my plan right now. I, I don't want to be retired really ever in my life. Like, I always want to work. Like, I always want to have something to do. But I always say I want to be financially independent by when I'm 30. Mm -hmm. So that's eight years for me. I don't want to be retired or anything, but I want to be able to, you know, not worry about next week's, you know, rent or next week's this or next week's that. The like, option to retire. Exactly. I want to have that option. Like, you know, if I want to take a week off, then I can. But it, that's easy to say. I got eight years to make that happen. And there's a lot of goals you have to write down. I'm big on writing down goals and stuff. So, yeah, my 10-year plan is I want to be financially independent. I want to take care of my people. Um so that, you know, that's going to be not just around, you know, being a realtor. That's also, you know, investments. I mean, I'm not going to make enough money as a realtor to be financially independent. I'm going to make, I believe, good money with all this new development stuff going on. But, you know, you got to invest your money too. So, you know, back on our topic of owning my first rental property in six to 12 months, that's going to be the start of uh, the financial freedom climb to when I'm 30. So I would say that's my long-term goal. Um, and then just, you know... I want to be a great realtor. I want to hopefully, you know, in eight years with all this new development stuff we got going on, I mean, we should be one of the top, top real estate agencies marketing new development uh, in the Seacoast. I mean, we've already have like, I would say, I think there's 10 different projects that we got marketing right now, which I said 400 units yeah. in the next two years. So those are 10 different builders we're working with. Um, and that number is only going to grow um, because they see the value that we can add um, from inception to sell up. So I do think that's cool. I want to add that too. I think it's cool that the way that you guys approach that, um, you found the niche, you found the, the, the area that we can work on, which is adding inventory. That's mm -hmm. number one. So the market's huge there. I've seen just like pictures of your office. And I think that the vibe that you guys give is very, it is, is great in terms of aligning with new construction. Yeah. You guys have like a new, vibe like a you know modern vibe i i think that that goes a very long way yeah so we just got our new office actually you're gonna have to come by i told nick he's gonna have to stop by too but we moved into our new office and uh you know we got this whole place it's a huge office and no like you know i've been to other real estate offices and i've seen other real estate offices i'm telling you when you come in here you're really gonna understand you know another thing that separates us it's just like we have that office. It, it looks like a Boston office, but we're in New Hampshire. Um, and it just kind of shows how professional we look. And, you know, one room I'm going to touch upon and Nick touched upon it when we were texting back and forth, but we got a room for our builders. Um, it's called the Experience Center. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's called the, got you. <laughs> so it's called the Experience Center. And the whole idea is like we want builders to come in. And just experience the experience. So what that means is we want to take them in and just kind of, this room is made just for new development. Um, we're going to have like a, it's going to be like a hundred foot screen. It's going to look like a movie theater. And it's going to be right on the, the back wall there. And we're going to promote all their new development projects. We're going to throw their renderings up there. I mean, you get, you try to think of a, a real estate agent team that's going to throw renderings up on a movie screen and kind of show and present them to, you know, potential buyers. I mean, there's no, it, there's no one doing that around our area. So we found that niche and it's like a lot of these builders are flocking to us and want to work with us because of what the things that separate us. Um, give me, you know, credit to Scott Rome and Joey and Sam Simpkin and those are the three team leads and they just, 
really found that niche in the market. And, uh, you know, that's one of the, one of the many factors experience, the experience and the experience center that I love to, uh, take new builders and developers into. So that's awesome. That's part of the whole thing. Where did experience the experience come from? <laughs> so you're going to love this stuff. I was hella confused when you texted me. <laughs> you're like, hey, Tyler, you're ready to experience the experience. I'm like, what is this kid talking about? <laughs> so um, I actually came up with it as a oh, joke. Did you? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, um, but it's kind of catchy, you know? Yeah. He liked it. And uh, it really it really just speaks for itself. So we we do these weekly updates. Like, um, you know, we have an in-house media guy. He films everything we do. He's filming all our new development projects. He's he's a killer, you know. Shout out to Riley Brown if he's listening. He's probably not, but he might be. I'm going to get <laughs> him on to this. send it to him. Yeah, I know. He was looking for it today, so shout out to him. He's uh, he's crazy. Um, just he can – he captures the moment like no other guy I've seen. So we just hired him, but he, he does weekly updates and – uh. One of the weekly updates was, what are you excited to uh, see in the new office? Because we just moved like, you know, a, it's a couple of weeks ago now. So just fairly new this month or it would be last month in July. And uh, he was filming me and I was just joking around and I was like, you know, I'm excited to take our builders and developers are up to our experience center. And I was like, so they can experience the experience. <laughs> and it just like, <laughs> and like I was just joking. It. I'm like, ah, oh, damn, like. You got to take it again. He's like, no, no, I love it. I love it. So like he posted the video and Scott, one of our team leads, saw, saw the video and he's like, that's, that's our slogan. Like we're going to, we're going to take, <laughs> that's builders, it. That's that's it. The one. We're going to take builders up to the office and they're going to experience the experience. And then when you think about it, it's like when you guys, I'll, I love to show you guys and you know, to any builders or developers watching, like I want to take them, you know, new people up to the office because really when you come in. And you go into the experience center, it's like, wow. Like, I want my projects to be marketed by these guys. It's like, an experience. It's an experience. They're going to experience the experience once they walk into the room. You know, what you got to do is, like, with this 100-foot screen, you got to make, like, 4D. So, like, all the sheets, <laughs> the seats shake. And it's, yeah. like, water mist and yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, a full-blown, like, <laughs> that's what it looks like. I mean, I'll. T- it's crazy. I mean, I, you know, I'd love to. I'm going to show you guys videos and stuff after this. Um, but... It really, it, it's amazing what they yeah. do with the place. And uh, we get the screen in a few weeks, but it's going to cover legit an entire wall. Like it's going to be like a movie theater screen. That's crazy. But just for new development projects. But just like, I can only imagine like the feedback we're going to get when we take people in there and they, you know, a builder comes in with his renderings. And let me touch on this too, is like, we don't do cartoon renderings that you see. Like we do like, we've done renderings you know, all in-house stuff that Compass deals with, but we've done renderings that people have said, I want to put an offer in that house. It's like, it's not even built yet. Like that's how real these renderings look like it. They're exceptional. So that's a big, another big thing that separates us just, but when we throw those renderings up onto the big screen and just kind of go through with the builder, it's like, who wouldn't want to, who wouldn't want to have their project marketed like that? So yeah, that's, that's the name of the game. It's, it's, it's presentation and new construction. It's really big. Uh, in terms of presentation. That's why we stage homes. Yeah, exactly. And our whole goal too is like we want to sell the house with this high quality rendering with we have, with the high quality marketing we have before a shovel even hits the ground. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, and that's ideal. And and that's ideal for most builders. And so definitely. again, again, finding that niche and what the builders want. Exactly. A builder wants to know, you know, that, that there is a resale potential at the end. I mean, obviously there was one that they wouldn't have bought the property if there wasn't, mm-hmm. but guaranteed is much better. So 
I think it's great that you found that niche. Yeah, no, I mean it's definitely definitely a niche in the market, and you you'll know, have to let me know when that screen comes in. I, uh, I want both of you guys. I love you'll to have to get like the big Bose speakers, and you walk in, it's like. Right, lights yeah, dim. We do it. Ready to experience. experience. <laughs> I think we're getting shirts. Maybe I'll get you guys some. Oh hell yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> With brick and barn logo, I love be it. Cool. I love but, it. But you know, we're just trying to, uh, you know, like you said, capitalize on the niche because it's definitely stuff. Builders don't want to, you know, work with the real. In general, builders don't want to work with the realtor that just, you know, doesn't do anything for the entire build. I mean, they found them the land. Probably a given. They found them the land, but then their ghost. For the entire, you know, eight months of the build, let's say, and then they come back and put a put a sign on the ground right. and throw it on the MLS and get paid, you know, twenty plus grand for, you know, a house. So it's just like when we offer this proposition of just working with them, you know, every little thing we work with them through the entire process, and you know, um, it, it adds value to to the builders yeah, that we're working for sure. With, so for sure, so. Here's the thing that I like to do in every episode is I ask the prior guest a question from the guest before them. And the idea of the question is so that you can answer it in a way that brings value to my audience. My audience is geared towards younger aspiring entrepreneurs or people who are just entering the business and are looking for those first couple of steps that they should take. And I feel like the most applicable people to give them advice are the ones who have taken those yeah, most recent definitely. steps. So what I do is I'll ask you a question right now from the prior guest that they asked. They didn't know who you were, if you were going to be on, clearly. I didn't okay. even know until yesterday. So, um, <laughs> okay, let's, let's. And then you'll ask a question for the next guest. Okay. So the last guest asked, what is your driving force to do what you do outside of external influences? What is my driving force to do what I do outside of what was that? External influences. So it can't be like a parent who so badly wanted you to be a realtor and they influence you in every which way to become a realtor. Like what is your mission? Like what is your purpose for doing what you do? Yeah. Um, that's a deep question, but you know, you know, we talked about it briefly in the podcast. Um, and I just want to say it'd be that financial freedom, but not for myself, but for my family. So, you know, my family has always been there and been supportive of me. So, you know, you know, I got a girlfriend now too. And like, you know, you think of a future with, you know, the people that you're with and stuff. So for me, my why is, you know, my family and my future family, like I want to be able to provide for them. So in a world that we're in right now, it's like, you know, you got to fight for what you, you earn. So um, I guess summed up my why is my family, um, you know, starting from my parents, they've always done everything and they've built me a strong foundation and stuff, but just even starting my own family and stuff, um, you know, I want to be able to support them. I don't want to, you know, worry about check to check. Like I want to be able to be there for my family and I am only 22 now, so still, you know, a few years down the road, but I guess my my why is just, you know, my family now, but also my future family that I know I'll have in the future. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big, I like that a lot. I resonate with that a lot because that's, you know, aside from the typical just mission of the company, the personal mission for me as well is, is <clears throat> that family, mm -hmm. the, the future family. Yeah. Family's important. Family's mm -hmm. everything. It's like, if you don't have family, then 
What's it all for? What do you have? Yeah, right. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, two parts. It's just my family now that, you know, I know that I have, you know, my parents, my grandparents, cousins, brothers, um, and then my family in the future, you know, my girlfriend. And then, you know, it could be, you know, later down the road with, you know, kids and stuff like that. It's like, those are things that you think of. It's like, you want to be a provider. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my big, uh, that's my answer of the day. All right. (laughs) I like it. So, um, guest, next guest. You have no idea who they are. So I guess my next question to the next guest would be, uh, what made you choose your profession? Uh, what was your motive to get into your profession? Um, yeah, I guess that sums up. Why Why did you choose your profession? Profession, And what, what was your motive? I mean, you have a lot of young, young guys on the podcast. So, you know, what was your leap? What was your big determining factor that made you make that jump into what you're doing now? Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Anything to add? Crushed it. <laughs> Tyler, thanks for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. Man. I, mean, no, I, I hope, appreciate you coming hope here. to come back. This is uh, yeah. this has been awesome. We definitely experienced the experience. Experience oh, the experience. More than I Builders could, and yeah. developers, if you're watching this right now, please, please let me know. We're going to experience the experience. We're going to change the new marketing for new development projects. We're going to change the industry. I love it. I love it, man. You guys want to plug anything? Socials? Add anything that you want? Follow me on social. Hey, Jameson underscore realtor. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me a follow there. And then, um, yeah, no, I'm, ex- I'm excited to be back on the podcast. And, you know, it was a good time talking talking with both of you. Absolutely. Man. Plug anything you want. Instagram, Nick White one That's it. Sweet. Awesome, boys. Appreciate you hey, coming on today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming back. Nick, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, dude, for sure.